Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. Because someone who was strong came to me and pleased me in my walk with the Lord, I ought to. I have a burden. I have a debt. I have a responsibility. I have an obligation. And then it says to bear. Now, obviously, we need what the word bear means. It means basically to pick up or to carry a burden. Now, when I looked at that, I thought about that in Scripture, and there's a lot of times the word bear is like, I'll I'll bear a burden. You might be carrying a heavy water pitcher. I'll bear that burden. So in a sense, these people that are coming in that are weaker than we are, failing maybe in certain areas, stretched out in their walk with God because they're so young and making so many mistakes, what we're doing now is we're knowing that they're encumbered with all of that stuff in their life, all those obstacles and weights in their life, and so we feel obligated to please them, to come alongside them and see what we can do to kind of help them remove some of that. And the translation says, with their failings of the week, and people can fail for a lot of different reasons. A lot of people that hurt you, really, is because they're already hurting, because hurting people hurt people. Did you catch that? Hurting people hurt people. So they're already failing because they have been hurt. So now they're hurting others. So what you want to do is to bear the responsibility to come alongside them to help them overcome their hurts, hang-ups, and habits, as one person once said. So we want to carry that into their life. And sometimes what you do, you say, well, how do I really do all of that? Well, I believe it is by looking at that person and just respect them as being a person. They're created in the image of God. They're in the mind of God before they're in their mother's womb. God allowed them to live this long to come into your life. And so they are a human being now that is very important to God. And I could make a big sermon just on the fact Jesus even died for that person. But more than that, you also want to respect their beliefs. Now when I say respect their beliefs, it doesn't mean that you have to agree with their beliefs. But listen to their beliefs. Understand maybe how they arrived at their beliefs and why they think and do the things that they do so that you have a better understanding. And so maybe that will help you posture yourself better into knowing how to speak into their life. Now, you're hearing all of this and you're saying, that's really good, but man, that's a big task. Yeah, that's a big task. It's take a long time. And it goes back to other sermons. It says you need to stop doing some of the stuff you're doing that are so just surfacey stuff in your life so you have time to do the big things which is to bear the burden of a weaker brother or sister in Christ, we who are stronger, to do that. Let's look at number two. In other words, if I'm going to give a gift to someone, my gift is to please them, and my gift is going to be wrapped up with showing obligation for them, but it's also going to demonstrate a self-sacrifice for others. That's a huge word, a self-sacrifice. Some of us have enough money so we don't have to sacrifice our time and our energy. We just throw money at the problem or the issue. And then some have very little money and so they have to sacrifice some stuff and that really struggles with them because uh, they begin to think nobody sacrificed for me. Well, we have to start somewhere and we're going to do that. Demonstrate self-sacrifice. Let's go back to the verse. The end of verse 1 and all of verse 2 it says, We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. So circle the word not. And it's so interesting, it didn't say to please them first and then ourselves. Now I think that could fit in there, but I think what he's really doing is developing a disciplined mindset 
that we are so much wanting to please someone else that there is no compromise, there's no clouding of the issue that I'll please him if I'm being pleased too. Then it's really not a total gift. It's kind of like a, you shake my hand or you scratch my back, I'll scratch your back kind of a thing. So that's why I say we please others and not ourselves, which means the other person really does come before us and there is going to be a full sacrifice. Now, it goes a little bit further. It says, each of us should please his neighbor. Now, if you want to, you might want to circle the phrase each of us because in the first verse, it says we who are strong. Now he's kind of given a little gig to those that are failing, the little weaker brother here, and he's saying each of us should please his neighbor. So it's not just a one-way street. We all just all grow up and learn how to please each other. And I think when he said each of us, Paul is saying even me, who is an apostle, a prophet, and a teacher, that I need to do this too, should please his neighbor. Now, what am I to please my neighbor in? You can put a number one by this, for his good. In other words, what I'm doing, it should add value to his life. So it's not merely just enough. Uh, he's not washing his car, so I'll wash his car for him. Now, it's not that. But what you're doing for him is adding value. The purpose of doing this is to do something in a special way. Now, that may be a bridge into something, but make sure, though, that the idea is, is this really good for him? And then the second is, it says, and to build him up. So in some measure, again, it's good for him, and the other goal is to build him up. So take time in your mind, your prayer time. I'm coming alongside this guy. What would be good for him? How can I please him? This would be good if I do this for him, and how can this really build him up? And some of you don't discount the dynamic of prayer because you're going to need God's wisdom and discernment per person, per event, per situation to do this. But it's coming out of your core belief that this is who you are and what you want to do. Let's look at the third part of our gift to them. All right, we're going to show an ab obligation. We feel the ownership of it, the weight of it, the responsibility of it. Secondly, we're going to self-sacrifice for others. That means sometimes we're going to have to give up our own way, our own time, our own uh, talent, money to help that person. But number three is to conform to Christ as our example. And that's why I said Christ is the center of this message. It's not just us being do-gooders around the world. It's Christ is at the center. Now, this is so beautiful. It says, for even Christ did not please himself. It didn't say Christ pleased himself first or Christ said, I'll please myself later or I'll please myself a little less than you. It says, for even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written... The insults or the reproaches of those who insult you have fallen on me. Basically, that's uh, n not real complicated. It's just like saying this. If you will look up here, I, I, I'll try to make it as clear as I can. What he's saying is here, I didn't please myself. I was God. I came down in the form of man, a servant, no reputation. I suffered the horribleness of the cross. I died such a death like this for you. I suffered all of what you have done wrong. I've taken it upon myself. It was not my pleasure to do this. I said, not my will, but thy will be done. So I walked it all the way through. It ended up on the cross, resurrected and went on. And he said, so I'm the example to do this. So for a moment, folks, when you start thinking, all right, I, I get this, Pastor. If we're going to have harmony, that I've got to step out of myself for a while and I need to reach out to other people, please them for their good and for them to be built up, but it's really going to cost me something. You want me to sacrifice to do this. It's going to be hard. Listen carefully. There are a lot of do-gooder agencies in this world. There are a lot of animal clubs out there, whether they're lions or moose or elk or whatever else they are. Not putting all that down. These are good people trying to do good things for society and often at a great sacrifice for themselves to do that. 
But only Christians have a sustainable motivation inside of them, which would be Christ. And it's only Christians who ultimately can do it for the longest period of time and go to the most incredible amount of sacrifice for those that are really hurting. And our example is Christ. So here's what you're going to do. When you're looking at a person who's really hurting, that person is a weaker person, and you want to do good for them, you want to build them up, but you know it's going to cost you. What I'd like you to do is I'd like you to put Christ in front of the other person in your mind. So all of a sudden now you're saying, if Christ could do it, I can do it. If Christ lives inside of me, and he did it for others to the point of actually giving up his very life for them, and he didn't deserve to do all of that, Christ lives in me, so I will do whatever I need to do to reach out to those people to help them. Now, you might say, this is a very unrealistic um, objective. And your answer is, yeah, it is. It is so unrealistic that it takes supernatural ability to do this. It's so, so unreal for us to do. It's so against our nature to do this. The beauty of it all is that whatever God commands us to do, He gives us the ability to do. So, again, Christ is our example. So you look at Christ, and next time you do it, you say, you know, you did it for me, Lord. You took all of my reproaches on, on you, my reproaches on you for the Father. And so I want you to know that um, if you did it for me, I can do it for you because Jesus is in me. I hope that if uh, the time comes that I'm not here, that, that last time I'm with you, that there will be a lot of phrases that you'll remember, and I hope this is one of them. And that's this. I can't, he can, therefore I will. And that's why you can do good to others and really please them. Let's look at the next one, number four. <clears throat> in the passage, it's found in verse four, and that means we need to submit to God's word. Remember, it's word-based experience here. It says, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So now you might want to circle the word everything. That means everything that was written in the past. Now you might be thinking, yeah, that was, you know, 60 AD or so. There's a lot of stuff that was written, you know, millenniums before when people first began to write. Does that mean everything that everybody wrote was written to teach me something? I believe more specifically, because he's more biblical here, he's talking about everything that has been written in scripture and later was canonized in other words it was now then said this is the word of God so I believe all that was written according to scripture in the past up to this point was written for our edification it was written to teach us now listen folks don't drift I know that it's hard when you start reading the Bible through for the first time especially if you use an old translation like King James and you start in Genesis so-and-so begot so-and-so, and so-and-so begot so-and-so, and so-and-so begot so-and-so, and, and you don't even know what the word begot means, all right? So I know that's tough. So you might get yourself a translation and begin to read through that. But again, that was still there. Now, there are a lot of people that says, you know, I don't understand that book. Let me just read Psalms. It's so sweet. I like Proverbs because it gives me principles for living. Uh, John, yeah, that's a good book because it talks about believing. And we skip a lot of these others. And I'm not going to embarrass anyone by having you raise your hand if you've ever read through the Bible in a year. But can you imagine if you're Habakkuk and you die and you go to heaven and there's Habakkuk walking right next to you and Habakkuk says, hey, Pastor Stan, how you doing? Welcome here. I'm Habakkuk. And I'm going to say, hey, nice to meet you, Habakkuk. And he says, hey, did you read my book? Well, not really, you know. I can hardly pronounce your name, Habakkuk, you know. So now I have to go back to what Scripture says. It says, all of that was written to teach me. So a lot of those laws you get into the Old Testament, you're thinking, oh, who cares about how long the poles were, how, how big and how much gold was overlaid on the table? Who cares about all of that stuff? God. 
And if God didn't want us to learn it, he would have said, you know what, I'm not going to put that in here. That's for Moses and the gang over there in those days. You know, right now I'm just going to teach you how to get out of debt. You know, no, 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 no. All of it is in there, and it's all important for us. Now you might say, how am I going to extrapolate from all of that important things? You see, folks, it all goes back to another core value. We've got to study the Bible. Now, it's coming on Christmas, so my question to you is, do you have a good study Bible, leather-covered Bible, one that you have enough room in it to write notes in the margin, one that will have some instructions as you go through this, a Bible that you will carry with you as often as you possibly can because you never know when a little jewel or a gem will come out when someone speaks to you as you're looking for a verse, and I say something, you wonder, where is that found in Scripture? And you look in your concordance in the back. Now, some of you will say, i got all of that stuff on my technology. I, I applaud you for having that. Good that you have it. But I also encourage you to get a good study Bible. Let's go back to the verse here. So if I'm going to please someone, says, For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that, I love this, through endurance and the encouragement of the scripture, we might have hope. Now how am I going to have hope? That means I'm going to have hope in the fact that when I'm going to come alongside someone to build them up, I'm going to come alongside them after I've accepted them. I want to please them. I want to add value to their life. I have hope in the fact that I'm doing it God's way with God's book for God's glory so I can endure whatever junk I get back from this person. I can have encouragement knowing that I'm doing the right stuff with all of this. So I'll have perseverance. I'll have encouragement. I'll have patience. I'll have comfort. And it's all coming from the book. And that's why I stay in the book. So I find the people that are most closely attuned to the word are going to be those that will have the greatest care for other people. Now let me qualify that. Are you ready for this? There are a lot of people that will go to Bible study after Bible study after Bible study and they're learning the Bible as an information book. They're learning it as all the doctrines. They're learning all about what happened. They'll learn it historically. They'll learn it archaeologically. But they are not taught enough the importance that God doesn't care only about that as much as he is that that was taught to us so that we would apply it to our life. So the question is, at the end of that Bible study, what are you taking home? How is your life different based on that Bible study that night? Has it changed you? Or is it just giving you more knowledge so you're puffed up and you can argue better with someone else? So again, when I have this knowledge and it changes me from within, I then can reach out to others and say, you know what, I accept you right where you are. But I love you more. I'm going to build you up. And I'm going to look for ways that will bring pleasure to you because I care for you. And Jesus is my example. And his pleasure to you and me was that he sacrificed so much. So that's how we have that hope and we never get discouraged. Let's look at the fifth part of our gift of pleasure to someone else. We need to depend upon the power of God. Now this is a little bit more subliminally in the passage here, but when I read through this thing, I could, I, it just exuded the the power of God behind all of this. And here's what it says. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ. So in other words, I have to depend upon God to do this. He gives it. I can't manufacture it. I can't make it happen. This is a sovereign grace of God that he gives me this strength of endurance and encouragement. He gives me patience and comfort. He gives me perseverance and encouragement. It comes from the Lord. So I depend upon him to give me this so that I then could give or have a spirit of unity among each other right here. I can put up with you for a longer period of time. I encourage because God's going to work in both of our lives because we're both wanting to follow Jesus Christ. He is the very center of our life. Well, let me kind of end with the sixth part here of our gift of pleasure, and that is 
All of this is to give glory to the Lord. Look at the end of verse 6. It says, so that. I love it. It keeps saying, so that. I do this. You know this. So that. So that. So what? What now? What do I do? With one heart and mouth. Circle one heart and mouth. That means one heart, one mouth. Our heart would refer to our mind, our thinking. Our mouth would be talking about what we say. So in other words, we're going to think the same thing and we're going to say the same thing. All of that was said to please others so that we may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, is that important. The ultimate purpose of pleasing others obviously is to build them up. Obviously, it's going to be bring harmony. But most important, the purpose is that when this is happening, God is going to be glorified. Now pause and would you reflect on that with me, dear ones? We like to think that we're a church that really glorifies the Lord. We sing about Him. We desire that. But the best way that we can bring glory to the Lord is that together we will say the same thing and we will think the same thing because out of that then there is this harmony that goes on in our heart. That doesn't mean that we'll say the same thing the same way or think the same thing the same way but it does mean that we're coming together. I wrote this in my notes here. Some of this you might have heard it before but charity is not to be at the expense of theology. Some people will love everybody but they don't really care about do they know the truth of God. So while we're loving everybody, that person is now loving Jesus that he's manufactured. The other person is loving Jesus that he's manufactured. But none of those Jesuses are the Jesus of the Bible. But sure, we love everybody. And we think we're doing a great service to the Lord when the Lord is weeping because we've now allowed them to think the wrong thought about who the true God is. Now that is so powerful. I want you to think about that as you go home. So charity is not at the expense of theology. On the other side of that, theology can't be at the expense of charity. Because you can give a lot of academics to people, but if they don't understand that God loves them, and you love them because God loves them, charity is left out of all of this. And that's why we say over and over again that it's grace and truth. And I'm having a wonderful lifetime study throughout Scripture to find how many times grace comes before truth and what God does. So grace is important, truth is important, they're both important. Now watch this. Even though you have this wonderful aspect of um, grace, truth, theology, charity, conformity to one another still is not at, watch this, is not at the expense of theology and charity. In other words, so you can't just say for conformity reasons we're not going to follow what the Bible says and it's our definition of love. No, you can't throw those two things out just so you're conforming to one another. So at the bedrock of what you do is you have sound theology and Christ-like love. You come alongside other people. He gets all the glory. The church has harmony. When you have harmony, watch this, then you have people that are excited about being with one another and they want others to be a part of the experience here. And all of a sudden the church becomes a wonderful haven like a light that everybody who's out there that wants to come to and then we want to go out and reach others for Christ. So I want you to know this is a wonderful experience and our church has been given by God a wonderful opportunity to now go through a season of challenges and apply this principle of harmony for the glory of God and that our church can really grow. The best is yet for us here at this church. I want to read this from James Montgomery Boyce. We'll go over the action points and we'll be pal. Listen to what Boyce has to say about this. I love it. What Christian unity is. He says, we might summarize these three images of the church by saying this. Number one, family stresses our relationship to God. He is our Father who brings His children to being. Number two, fellowship 
It stresses our relationship to one another. We share things, many things together. And then you have the body of Christ. And that stresses our relationship to those who are without, since we exist to witness to those who do not know Jesus Christ is our Savior. So all of this, again, is to reach out into the community. Look, if you will, at your notes. And I'd like you to circle the number next to the action point that really resonates with you. Has the Holy Spirit been speaking to you? I'm overwhelmed by what, by the conviction of the Spirit just preparing this message. And so, let's look at it. Number one, I will seek out someone with whom I disagree and find a way to show respect for him. So in your mind's eye, who do you disagree with right now? Family, work, school, church. Maybe even in your neighborhood. And then would you find a way to show respect for them? Number two, I will give up having my own way. My way. Me, my mind. Me first itis, a disease. So I can serve others with whom I disagree. Not just serve with others, but serve others with whom I disagree. Number three, I will remember the example of Christ who put up with an awful lot to meet the needs of others. If he could put up with so much, even to the point of the cross, can't I? Number four, I will abide in God's word. For from it I'll have patience and comfort, knowing that I'll be tested in this. That's okay. I'll pass the test by God's grace and power because I'm abiding in his word. and He'll give me the patience and the comfort. Number five, I will depend upon God's power to help me because I can't serve others effectively without it. I'm so glad and grateful that he offers his ability to do what he's commanded me to do and even more so. And finally, I will endeavor by God's grace to live and speak in one accord with others so that together we glorify God. Let's pray, shall we? With every head bowed and every eye closed. Some of you that uh, might be listening right now, you're on the outside of this and and how much you desperately would love to be in harmony with a mate or with a family member or a friend or someone you've been um, estranged from, I think you would well realize the person you need to be on the proper wavelength with has got to be God. And God says, I love you so much that I will bring you to my forever family and I will change our relationship from being an enemy to one of being Savior, friend, Father, Lord, Master. And you might look over your life and for just a moment you might say, I would please people, but I've been so beat up and I've, I've, every time I tried to help, someone stepped on my tongue, they stepped on my life, they stepped on my wallet, they stepped on my heart and crushed it. How can I keep doing this? Remember, they stepped on Jesus Christ so badly. He died on a cross, gave up his life purposely on his own and endured all of that for the very people that did that to him. And I want you to know he did it for you. So if you would just come to him just as you are. Merely say in your heart. Lord I, I, I know I've been hurt. And I know I've definitely hurt others as a repercussion from all of that. But I want to thank you that you loved me just the way I was. and You took all that junk on yourself. And that you would freely to me give me eternal life. I know it cost you everything to give me that gift. Because you wanted to please me. You knew my greatest pleasure would be eternal life in heaven. That will never be stolen or take away or lost. So Lord I am now trusting you. 
Because you said if I would believe in you, you'd give to me eternal life. You'd forgive me of all my sins. So I'm trusting you to keep your word. And since you're a God who, it's not in you to lie. You can't lie. I want to thank you that I could have eternal life by faith alone. I pray you'll trust Christ as your Savior, my friend. He wants to please you. And he's done all the work, so he's offering that as his gift to you. Our gracious Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for a church who so much wants to be in harmony, wants to preserve this harmony that we've enjoyed for these 11 plus years, beyond even me. I thank you, Father, how you've worked in our heart. And, and I also want to thank you for the pain that you've allowed us to experience when we violated your word, but we never had to experience the loss of your love. And now, Lord, with all of that going for us, help us to go forward with it to love others. And that this church would be a beacon of accepting people where they are, desirous of building them up in the faith by pleasing them for the purpose of them glorifying you. And then bring us back together again next week as we learn the fourth and final mark of a very harmonious church. Now, Father, I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us make it clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.